Advisors, mark your calendar. Exchange is back, and we are ready for some learning, connection, and fun in the sun. Join the Financial Advisor Community February 5th through the 8th in Miami, Florida at Exchange, an ETF experience, an in-person conference crafted specifically for the Financial Advisor Community. Use the code EOTW for a discounted advisor pass and learn more at exchangeetf.com. Again, that's code EOTW for a discounted advisor pass. See you there. One fun, on point for today, the expert to talk about it. Welcome to the ETF of the week. It's the ETF of the week where we get the latest take from Tom Lydon, Vice Chairman at Vetify, a site that has everything you need to become a savvy, sophisticated, smart investor in exchange-traded funds. It's vetify.com. Tom Lydon, it's great to chat with you again. Great to be back. Thanks, Chuck. Your ETF of the week is... The Spider S&P 500 ETF, ticker symbol SPY. Wow, the SPY, the, the classic, the granddaddy, the Spider S&P 500 ETF. I got a pretty good idea of what we're doing this one for, and that's because, well, it's not possible that you and I are old enough that we've actually been seeing the spider for like 30 years, right? It is. It is, Chuck. And um, we're not going to put the listeners through you and I singing happy birthday. Oh, no, no, no. We should put them through happy birthday. Just not you and I singing. Take this occasion of your birthday to say happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. So there it is. It's Paul McCartney singing happy birthday to the spider because it's a big deal. The spider has been a big deal throughout 30 years. It's probably as popular as the Beatles. Yeah, there it is. The Beatles of ETFs. Look at how we put this all together. Well, Chuck, it's crazy to think 30 years ago when the first U.S. ETF started by State Street Global Advisors, it was a small group of people and coming out of the big correction that we saw in 1987, the group and the industry tried to find additional ways of liquidity. Liquidity really should be the middle name of SPY because that's what it's all about. Today, it is the biggest ETF with $370 billion. But from a liquidity standpoint, this is really its claim to fame. It trades $39 billion in money every day, which is unbelievable when you think about just the pure trading volume. Now, over time, as you know, there have been a lot of copycats. They're copycats from all the major indexes, whether they're iShares or Vanguard most of the other big issuers also have their own versions. Some have different factor versions. Some have equal weight versions as well. But this is the granddaddy of all ETFs out there. It continues to garner the most amount of trading volume for one reason, Chuck. The spreads are so tight on this ETF and the consistency of the spreads trading at a penny is something that most other ETFs could only dream of replicating. But it's interesting because this fund, 
you know, has been a blessing and a curse. This is the fund that as much as anything inspired Jack Bogle to say he didn't like ETFs because they were trading all the time. That was not what he thought index funds should do. So when he was creating the Vanguard Index 500, the first index fund, he didn't want it to be used the way the spider is used. Now, today, investors use ETFs as long-term holding vehicles, as short-term trading vehicles, as more. But given all the volume, is the spider so ubiquitous that if you want to hold the S&P 500 and you're a long-term investor, you go and buy it the Bogle way? Or is it best used as a trading vehicle and you can get somebody else's S&P 500 fund if you're going to be a buy and holder? To put that in perspective, SPY has an expense ratio of, of nine basis points. That's $9 on $10,000. Pretty in, inexpensive, especially for those people that are invested in mutual funds. It's not even close. The competitors, the big competitors like IVV, which is the iShares version, or VOO, which is the Vanguard version, have an expense ratio around three basis points. Okay, Is that difference over time going to mean that much? It may. It may add up if you own it for 20 or 30 years. And if you do own it for 20 or 30 years and you buy those, well, then fine. However, I think what we're talking about from a liquidity standpoint is back to Jack Bogle. Most people should not be trading. The average investor should buy and hold. And buy and holding a decent amount in your portfolio of the S&P 500 makes sense. If you did that coming out of the financial crisis, it would have been tough to beat. It's done very, very well and probably in the future will continue to do well. But whether you're charged three basis points or nine basis points, not much of a difference there. It's a lot better than most mutual funds charge and what most ETFs charge. However, when you look at the amount of option and futures that are tied to SPY, it's incredible. And how many companies today, ETF companies, that have been built on the backs of the S&P futures market is tremendous. Think about companies like Innovator ETFs, where they have all these hedge strategies that are inherent in their lineup, where they offer rolling opportunities to maintain hedge and income opportunities as well. So there are a lot of nuances that have come out of SPY. This is just another example how the ETF industry continues to expand, building on some of the great things that those innovators started 30 years ago. But are any of the innovators and imitators better than the original? Yes, you can save basis points. Again, it could be about as much as five or six bucks on 10,000. But there are some folks who would say the S&P 500 is not the ideal benchmark of the market anymore. Hard to move that money away from it, but do you still think the S&P 500 is the benchmark most investors want to tie to? Well, back to Jack Bogle, there probably are going to be periods of time when maybe small caps might outperform large caps or international might outperform the U.S. markets. The best thing to do is to be diversified and hold it for a long period of time. Stock picking for the average investor probably isn't that successful. Some people can make it happen. A lot of people can't. But really what we're doing here is splitting hairs. And I think tipping our caps, Chuck, to what State Street Global Advisors 
and SPY and the team that created them 30 years ago, pretty impressive because this is what the ETF industry was built on. And today we continue to see more and more innovation. But if we hadn't experienced all the success that this group started 30 years ago, we may not be where we were today. It officially launched on January the 22nd, 1993. So this week, 30 years ago, there was an ETF that started in Canada a couple years before that. But realistically, the launch of the ETF business as we know it with this fund, it is the granddaddy of them all, still worth discussing and still widely, widely owned. It's the Spider S&P 500 ETF, the SPY, the ETF of the week on its birthday from Tom Lydon. Tom, great stuff as always. Talk to you again next week. Thanks, Chuck. The ETF of the week is a joint production between Vetify and Money Life with Chuck Jaffe. Yes, that's me. You can check out my hour-long weekday podcast at moneylifeshow.com or any place where you find great podcasts. If you're trying to find great information on investing in exchange-traded funds, there's no better place than vetify.com. It's got great information that'll help you see what's new, what's changing, what's trending, what else is celebrating its birthday or anniversary, and how it's affected the industry, news, and much, much more. Vetify.com on Twitter at Veta underscore Fi, and Tom Lydon, their vice chairman, my guest, he's on Twitter too. He is at Tom Lydon. We're here for you with the ETF of the week every Thursday. Follow along so that you don't miss anything on your favorite podcast app. We would love to have you as a regular listener. And we'll be back next week. Until then, happy investing, everybody. Mm-hmm.